The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we are catching up with John Downey, Managing Director of Pure Minerals. It's listed on the ASX under the code PM1 and is trading at 1.6 cents for a market cap of about $6 million. Now as listeners of the Explorers podcast will know, the podcasts normally focus on exploration companies. Pure Minerals is different. It's looking to build a new age nickel cobalt laterite processing plant in Townsville to produce battery chemicals with high grade ores to come from existing mine supplies in New Caledonia. It's a model that the likes of Freeport, Allen Bond, BHP and more recently Clive Palmer employed for 27 years at the Queensland Nickel Operation in Townsville. But there's some big differences which I'll get John to explain in a moment. Now a scoping study has priced Pure Minerals proposal at close to $300 million. So we have a small company with a big ambition. Experience will count in making it happen, that's for sure. Now that's a good point I think to welcome John and get him to tell us a bit about his background and experience in the industry. Hi John. Thanks Barry, thanks for the introduction. Look, uh, I've spent a considerable time in the nickel industry um, with Inco Vale and um, various explorers started a few uh, small exploration companies, Osnico, you may have heard of it, um, and um, uh, a couple of development programs. Uh, one, the Gladstone Nickel Project, which was a large HPAL uh, located at Gladstone, but on the same principle, importing ore out of New Caledonia. When, um, uh, when Queensland Nickel uh, closed down or shut down, um, we uh, we thought it was a great opportunity to um, to rethink uh, the model for what what would a what would a plant look like um, uh, in two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen at the time um, and um, and that was really the uh, uh, the original sort of plan for doing something um, so uh, yeah I guess I define myself as a bit of a nickel tragic and um, you know. <laughs> Have uh, spent quite a bit of time at Queensland Nickel and um, and various other places. So, so uh, this um, this may be my last one, but um, uh, but it's certainly probably the most exciting at this stage. Right. Okay, John. Um, could you please give us a, an overview of the project and what makes it different to the now closed Q and I operation? Okay. Well, you identified the point of difference in respect to the mining operation. You know, we don't have a mine. Um, we we're Initially importing about six hundred thousand tons of, uh, of high-grade limonite from New Caledonia. Um, Australia has a long-term trading relationship. Um, QN was part of that, um, so um, that's all. They've always been reliable suppliers, and and they export now um, over six million tons of, uh, of saprolite and a small quantity of limonite to uh, the likes of POSCO and Sumitomo and people like that. So. Uh, they're very reliable suppliers, and um, and certainly the resource is um, is uh, extensive. I think I can't think of a bigger word, but um, uh, but there's lots of uh, uh, lots of uh, available laterite in in Newcal. Uh, 
the mining principles and standards of, uh, in respect to the environment and, and safety are, are very good. Uh, you know, they've got, uh, they've got Glencore and, um, and um, uh, Vale, of course, uh, to set some of the standards. So um, uh, that gets us off to a good start. Once the ore's imported into uh, Townsville, uh, lots of infrastructure already in place in Townsville because it's imported ore since 1987. And, uh, and we've, we have two, uh, two blocks of land, about 400 hectares allocated um, in the lands down Industrial Park, uh, about 35k south of, um, of Townsville at a place called um, Woodstock. So uh, we're building an atmospheric pressure uh, acid recycle Plant. And that's probably where some of the differences really start to occur. Uh, the plant has uh, significant green cr credentials and, um, and uh, recycling acid means that um, you don't have to neutralise it and put it in tailing stems and, uh, and things like that. But more importantly, it allows you to extract a number of uh, both payable metals, as in cobalt and nickel, but, uh, but also a lot of the other dissolved metals which we call co-products, and that includes iron and magnesium and, and manganese and chromite and scandium, of course, and, um, you know, aluminium. Um, so lots of those uh, sorts of things. The result of that is that there is no dissolved metals in the tailing stem. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it's a, you know, the, the, certainly the, I think the latest HPAL was called the fifth generation. Well, this has to be the sixth generation of, uh, of laterite processing. Um, we produce a, the other difference that, that's um, uh, quite distinctive from uh, from the likes of Queensland Nickel and uh, the other HPL plants around is that we take we produce a, a an MHP or a, a mixed um, hydroxide precipitate uh, with the nickel and cobalt in it, and then put that into a refinery uh, to produce a high purity sulfate, like a four nines um, uh, product that um, that uh, of acceptable quality for um, uh, for battery precursor um, or production of cathode the um, the, the in nickel cobalt manganese um, uh, combination that um, that seems to be the most predominant one that's uh, used in battery manufacture these days so yeah that's that they're the the, the fundamental differences um, uh, you know I guess um, the, the the fact that it's a it's it's has green credentials means that the development time is uh, is very short. Um, the fact we haven't got a mine and we don't need to uh, establish new approvals means that that end of the the, the process or the project is uh, is vastly simplified. And the fact there's already infrastructure and um, and a lot of uh, acceptance for import of ore in in uh, Townsville means that um, we can actually turn this project around and be producing revenue in uh, the latter part of two thousand twenty one. Mm. Uh, now, the fact that it's the process will be achieved at atmospheric conditions, I take it that means there will be no need for the, you know, the fancy titanium metals and high pressure vessels that you find in the existing H power plants. Is that correct? Oh, very much so. You know, um, we, um, yeah, all the work we've done so far um, uh, has given us extractions of, uh, of better than sort of 96 percent on um, on the major metals and um, uh, yeah, the atmospheric pressure 56 uh, percent nitric acid means that uh, pretty well everything can be made from standard 304 or even 316 um, stainless so uh, no exotic materials um, and uh, that that results in um, you know an easier 
plant construction, certainly the materials of, um, of construction are far simplified and uh, the capital's significantly lower. Right. So I think your uh, the scoping study indicated uh, production of about 25,000 tonnes per annum of uh, uh, nickel sulphate and 3,000 tonnes of uh, cobalt sulphate. I'm just wondering, if that was coming out of a HPAL plant, um, what would the capital cost be vis-a-vis what your $300 million uh, figure indicated in the scoping study? Um, well, look... You know, the, there's a lot of um, new numbers being um, uh, being put out there for uh, the cost of HPAL, and um, so it's it's difficult to pin that number down. But if you just look at the last complete high pressure acid leach plant that was built by Sumitomo at Taganito in the Philippines, that was about 2.4 billion US. Mm. So, and now that's that's. Um, that's probably about twice the size because it's a lower grade, but twice the tons. So, mm. you know, you'd have to expect that it would be certainly over the billion dollars. Right. So if you're not in this process, if you're not using um, at, um, sulfuric acid, uh, what are you using uh, as the leach agent? We use nitric acid. Um, there's a small uh, top-up requirement, and uh, that comes from Arica down at Gladstone. Um, and uh, we do use a little bit of sulfuric because in the refinery we, of course, produce a sulfate, um, mm. so, uh, and that will come from uh, Sun Metals. Sun Metals produce about 700,000 tonnes of, of acid now at, um, just uh, within the Townsville State Development Area um, right alongside the port, so um, um, that's quite convenient for us. Um, uh, but, uh, but, yeah, nitric acid is the licks of it, um, it's um, it's quite reactive, and um, it, you know its main claim to fame, if you like, is that it's um, it's very easy to recycle, to regenerate. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess I, I should check. Uh, I assume this is a is this a proven technology, or is it a technology that you guys will actually be trailblazing? Uh, it's another. That's a very good question, Barry. I guess that the um, it's it's the DNI process, and some people will be familiar with that. Um, uh, back in 2013-14, the CSIRO built a, a one-tonne-a-day pilot plant down at uh, Waterford yeah, here in WA, and um, and it was run for about 18 months, 22 campaigns of uh, ore, mostly uh, saprolytic, like lower iron uh, ore, but, um, but, you know, it operated very successfully over about 21 campaigns of, um, uh, you know, 14, 18 days, that sort of thing. So... I guess in the at the pilot plant stage, it's uh, it's been well well proven, but certainly not at commercial scale. Uh, we've got um, now Lycopodium doing the engineering for the pre feasibility study, and um, you know we're working through that. That'll be finished in the end of September, but uh, September this year. Um, uh, but but yeah, there's there's um, there's a component of newness um, that. Um, uh, that I guess we're all always going to have to uh, accept. I, having been around the industry for many years, I, uh, you know, I sort of do a bit of a ho hum that, um, gee, you know, it's um, very conventional leach vessels and agitators, and you know, the whole process is very straightforward and very simple and very using common uh, off-the-shelf equipment. But um, but look, nobody is using nitric acid currently uh, to leach uh, laterites.
Right. And I uh, understand CSIRO is involved in the, that stage two refinery process to actually uh, upgrade the MHP into uh, battery chemicals. Yeah, well, that's that's the great thing because um, we've we've developed a good relationship with the guys. They've got the DNI plant there, and then um, they've also, uh, as you may be aware, they've a lot of work um, uh, on the production of uh, high purity sulfate so um, it's not uh, you know despite the fact that it's new taking a nitrate based MHP um, that they're um, they're very familiar with um, all the process steps and, and so um, it, it puts us in a good position that um, we're not we're not starting from ground zero we've um, you know a lot of development work already in place there is a couple of other technologies in, in Australia um, we, um, we like the idea of going with CSIRO because, um, you know, you might be aware that they uh, developed the technology for Nickel West and that that's quite a large plant at Quinana and that'll be up and commissioned before the end of the year. So, um, you know, they've got a track record of being able to do these sort of things. So we're, we're mm. pretty impressed with the work they're doing. Okay. Now, with your knowledge of the market, um, the when you produce the battery chemical. Um, I gather that sells at a premium to uh, nickel prices. Yeah, the um, uh, I guess uh, you know there's another small point of difference in the, what we're doing is taking um, you, you know as you're aware the the nickel contained in MHP is um, is priced generally somewhere in the seventy five to eighty five percent of LME. So we start with a with a nickel that's that's at a discount to the LME and. And if you follow the particularly the Shanghai markets now, which gives you a good indication of um, LME versus uh, nickel contained in sulphate, uh, that's that seems to be selling at about 125%. So there's quite a, you know, if you can start with a feedstock at a lower value than LME grade material, there's quite a healthy premium to be established. But um, but I guess we're not uh, or pre- healthy margin between the um, you know, between the nickel in MHP and the premium for the nickel that's in um, in metal chemical or sulphate. Um, I guess we're not relying on that being there forever, though, because there's enormous pressure on um, the battery producers to more than halve the cost of, produ- you know, currently uh, battery cost is around 230 200 to $250 US dollars per kilowatt hour, and they're really targeting about 100 So. It's a long way to go to, you know, to, to do it better, smarter. And I think we will see the premiums come down over time. Mm-hmm. Not a problem for our business, though, because we already, you know, we, as I say, we, you know, I laboured the point a bit, but, um, you know, we, we, uh, we actually, our feedstock is at less than LME. Right. And that scoping study work you did, did that give a... An- you know, indicative cost of nickel after, say, uh, cobalt uh, product credits. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky one, Barry. That that um, because we've, you know, the traditional approach, as you as you know, um, uh, is uh, is to refer everything to um, cost per pound of nickel, and then um, and then add back the credits. Um, if we do that, our, um, our our effective cost per pound is about. 80 to 85 cents US a pound. Um, but that, um, you know, we can, uh, that's a, a, you know, the scoping study was done at 620 a pound of nickel and um, $30 a pound of cobalt. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, those numbers change all the time. We um, we actually buy our ore based on a um, on a on a, uh, a price that's indexed to the uh, to the LME uh, underlying metal price. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as the nickel price goes up, that changes. Um, we also have a, um, a royalty arrangement with the uh, the technology provider um, for the DNI process. That's again um, indexed to the to the nickel price. So um, yeah, so it's um, but um, you know, um, eighty to eighty five cents is a is a really good starting position at um, at six dollar nickel. It's um, uh, and it only gets better as you um, uh, as the nickel price goes up. I haven't actually run it at seven forty, or I'm not sure what is the price today. About seven seven twenty seven thirty. Yeah, definitely north of seven dollars last yeah. time I looked. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So um, no, it just gets better, and um, and you know one of the things about this business is that um, you know as the um, for very small incremental changes in the nickel and cobalt price, the um, uh, you know the the EBITDA or the the margin goes mm. up it's a crazy amount. You know, so um, yeah. you, you know you've got to be careful um, with your projections. You know that you don't get too excited. Right. Uh, I understand you've been uh, working away on a uh, pre-feasibility study, which is expected to be completed soon. Yep, Lycopodium uh, are, um, are doing the um, the engineering component of that, and um, um, that'll be finished, um, and it's on track to be finished for at the end of September. Um, the guys have finished all the mass and energy balances, and we've been using Aspen. To do a lot of the um, the modelling of the gas circuit and, and acid recycle, um, so that's uh, quite novel. And um, um, but with you know all the process design criteria, the process flow diagrams have been finished, and um, and they're actually out to tender for a lot of the major items of plant now. So uh, yeah, we we um, uh, we expect to have it all wrapped up by the end of September, and then uh, move into a uh, three months pilot plant run and um, and a DFS by um, by September time, two thousand twenty. Right, and assuming um, robust project emerges from all that, you, uh, ideally you could be in production what two three years later. Uh, no, it's only twelve months. Well, you know, uh, yeah, two two twenty for a uh, uh, you know latter part of two thousand twenty for a financial investment decision, and mm-hmm. um, twelve months after that, um, generating revenue. Right. Yeah. Uh, tough question at this stage, I guess. But do you expect to uh, emerge from you know the the financing of the project as a hundred percent owner, or do you see yourself perhaps striking some strategic alliances with uh, either investors or off takers? Oh, look, I think that's a very fair question. You know, like <laughs> given uh, you mentioned before that um, you know we've got a market cap of six million dollars. Well, nobody in their right mind would expect to. Uh, Retain that throughout a final uh, a final project, but you know I should say that that um, the um, you know we really only started things in late May this year, so we've been moving fairly quickly, and we expect after the PFS to re-rate the company significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know our market cap will go up um, and make um, make it more substantial. But but you're right the. Uh, what's sort of happening out in the marketplace is that um, you know the battery producers are backward integrating into um, into um, raw material producers 
um, like our operation because um, there's such a um, enormous growth expectation and um, and for them to um, justify building their uh, gigafactories, um, they, um, they have to uh, have a certainty of supply. So there's really not much choice for them to, but to... Um, to invest in uh, making sure these projects come online on time and uh, reliably. So, yeah, we, we would expect a, an offtake partner um, to be in there. But we don't want to move on that too quickly. You know, we really want to have the numbers right. And so it's sometime after the PFS that we will start um, some detailed discussions. We've been talking with, um, you know, all the normal um, uh, targets for um, for these sort of things in Korea and Japan, um, but mm-hmm. we want to extend that to Europe and North America because um, I think having a diversity of offtake is uh, something we're looking at as well. Uh, but um, but you're right, um, we won't be sitting here with 100% of the business. Right. And I guess the model, uh, if there's one area of comfort here and now, that is with the ore supplies, New Caledonia's ore I think is... 1.5% nickel plus uh, top quality or industry understands it. Um, so the acceptance point for you guys will be the DFS confirming a robust project and then go from there. It's, 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 there's no issue around the, the resource supply, I guess is what I'm saying. No, well, look, it's, it's you know, extremely consistent. Um, you just look at since 87, you know, I, I can plot out the uh, both the tonnes, the size fraction, the grade, you know, have all been extremely stable um, up to 2000, early 15, you know, when the Q&I uh, finally closed the doors. So, uh, no, uh, very, you know, that's one of the attractions of, of Newcal, the mining practices, uh, you know, you don't get big rocks, you don't get, um, uh, you know, wet ore that can't be shipped. Um, all those things, um, and you get very consistent grades. You know they're, uh, you know, not only use sort of on-site assaying, but um, you know they have portable XRFs and XIDs and things. So you know they've really kept up with the technology, and the, the geos do an amazing job of uh, making sure that there's ultimate consistency. Right. Okay. And finally, um, just interested to know how, uh, about. Townsville's uh, reception to the project. Um, uh, everyone's a bit cranky up there because uh, of uh, what's happened at Queensland Nickel, but uh, what sort of uh, reception are you receiving from both government and uh, population up there? Oh, look, uh, we've um, uh, state government have, um, have identified a in regional development a, a person to coordinate and, and assist us, and um, Matt's been, um, been amazing, but... Um, uh, you know, I know a lot of people from Townsville from the QNDOs, but um, uh, just um, a lot of support. You know, it's very comfortable that um, you can um, uh, sit down and have an investor presentation and uh, you don't get um, all the odd questions. You get just like enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, enthusiastic um, things, you know. Mm. Oh, great. Alrighty, John. Uh, we'll have to leave it there, unfortunately, but um, exciting project, uh, a different one for investors to have a good think about. And everyone, of course, will be looking out for the, uh, the PFS shortly. So all the best with it. And thanks for your time today. Good on you. Thanks. Thanks very much, Mary.